Welcome back to another episode of Bias Check-In. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Claudia, what are we checking in with this week? So every few years, we get obsessed with a new revolutionary way of conceptualizing how we think. The brain is the most meta self-absorbed organ we will ever have. We had a lengthy discussion about this, preparing this episode. And sometimes, to be fully honest, I don't know if the brain maybe needs to find itself another hobby. We've had Sudoku, we've had Wordle. So for this episode, we thought we would talk about a few different approaches to problem solving. How do we even start to think about thinking? And what is some of the research that is out there? As always, one of our disclaimers is we are only giving you about 20 minutes of content so this is now going to be an exclusive tell-all about all of the brain waves. Before we dive into some of these theories, we suggest you warm up by listening to our August 2022 episode, MBA Speak. All right, all done. You're back from MBA Speak. Let's start from the basic, the vanilla ice cream of thinking strategies. Safe, old, how to get from A, the point where you are, to where we want to be. I see where you did there. Where we want to be. Cute. Ba-doom. Okay, this is linear thinking. Like a recipe or solving an equation, you know the starting point and the rules to reach a solution. Just like minimalism, it can be very elegant, but also too simplistic. Very little falls into linear thinking once you get to complex enough processes. And for the longest time, linear thinking was the undisputed way to reason. Until lateral thinking emerged. If linear thinking is a top-to-bottom, concatenated reaction, lateral thinking looks at what can be done differently while we are at each level of the process. The late 1960s OG thinking outside of the box and the basis for design thinking, which we will talk about in a little bit. It was founded by Dr. Edward de Bono, and he has groundbreaking quotes such as, you cannot dig a hole in a different place by digging the same hole deeper. We've been using lateral thinking for so much that it sounds commonsensical, but this was groundbreaking, other pun intended. This seems intuitive today. But de Bono was the first to extensively write about the importance of things like challenging assumptions, seeking alternatives even in how we think about problems, and focus on overlooked aspects of a situation or problem. This is also the basis for what would be labeled disruptive thinking, which gets credit for ideas like Uber or other ride shares. Some of the official methods and techniques that lateral thinking includes could be plain devil's advocate, intentionally throwing out as bad an idea as possible and try to identify what can be salvaged, where is the good, even in the horrible, or throwing out random metaphors. Yes, I'm not kidding. And see how long you can run with it. How much can you compare your business idea to a chair? and not be completely off topic. Basically anything to think outside of the box. And you know how much we hate playing devil's advocate on this podcast. No, me? Never. Which I also just recently found out where devil's advocate came from. 
Do tell. So in the Roman Catholic Church, there's three stages in the process of canonization. So becoming a saint. I see where this is going and I'm loving it. Please, please tell me that I'm right in my assumptions. Well, there is an investigation of the candidate involving gathering all the information about the sanctity and the miracles performed and so on. And so the devil's advocate sees it that the entire truth is made known about the candidate. So basically the OG guy that loves to go to a magic show and tell you what the trick is behind it. Yeah, but then they didn't get enough saints, so they took it away. (laughs) So the devil's advocate was a victim of employment cuts because they were too good at their job. So they are relatable after all. Okay. Yes. Moving forward. Um, Another common buzzword is brainstorming. It's been around since the 1950s and indicates a group problem-solving technique that involves the spontaneous contribution of ideas from all members of the group. Now we might relabel it one way or another, but the basic concept remains that of throwing out as many related ideas. You might even do this on your own, setting a timer and just writing down as many things as possible before it goes off, then narrowing down your top three, five, and developing them out. So this is my time to bring in a random fact, but I actually have a core memory of the first time I ever heard the expression to brainstorm. Mm-hmm. And I was hearing it in an Italian-speaking context, so very interesting because we don't have a translation for it yet. Um, but I think I was 15 or 16, and it was all the rage. It was the latest innovation in how to think about problem solving and we were trying to crowdsource how to organize a birthday celebration for a friend with Mm. the limited resources of 15 16 something years old in a small town in the middle of nowhere alps (laughs) and so our hip uh english speaking friend came in and was like ah ragazze if we can't think of anything else we just need to sit down cinque minuti brainstorm and yamo i'm sorry five minutes and what <laughs> and it's such a funny thing to think about now because i remember being so confused i'm like maria what the- we get it you travel you're cool we love you <laughs> but what the heck are you talking about and it's such a common concept now but just to put into perspective that some things even we think now are basic common Everything was groundbreaking at one point or the other. Absolutely. But it that sounds like a very cute story. <laughs> I hadn't thought of this in years. But yeah, I realized I actually can remember the very first time I heard that word. As many other things, brainstorming got more complex with time. And it is a practice that people are more careful with now, I think, than when we were planning birthday parties. Um <laughs> Bruna Corradetti actually mentioned in one of our latest chats a couple weeks back um, the importance of resilience in science. If you haven't listened to it, this is our second episode plug for this episode. It can be scary to volunteer your ideas to others, not knowing if they will appreciate them, if people will build on them, or if people will just straight up take your idea and run with it and take credit. But as with many other things, it can be great with a trusted group or work team, 
a way to get unstuck and take a breather from the pressure of finding a solution, especially if you're working on a time crunch or when you need to take ourselves maybe a little bit less seriously and just throw out all of the ideas, that lateral thinking, no idea is too stupid to go on the board and just take that moment. Next up, we have disruptive thinking, also sometimes called creative thinking, but with a more dramatic and impactful label. Disruptive thinking is all about thinking differently. Specifically, disruptive thinking is thinking that is so different from the status quo that it completely changes the market. It revolutionizes the sphere in which it operates. It is innovation on steroids. We usually see disruptive thinking in things that we thought either did not have much more to give us or in completely new markets. Um, a successful disruptor example would be Spotify, the idea of subscription applied to music streaming. Now, the catch with this is when the next music streamer comes around, it is no longer disruptive. Now it's a market follower. So the standard for what disruptive is keeps changing as the system evolves. An example of a market giant that chose to not be disruptive Yahoo first launched in 1994 and quickly became the go-to portal for email, news, web searches. I clearly remember my Yahoo email. I think I still have it on my iPad. But in 2002, Yahoo missed an opportunity to buy Google for $1 billion and then Facebook for an alleged $1.1 billion in 2006. Since then, it has also been criticized for mismanaging Flickr. Do you remember Flickr? I was a huge fan of all the most aggressive filters and stickers before Instagram came around. And the lack of vision among its leadership team to be innovative and disruptive. But success is not a requirement. And some businesses can be disruptive but also fail. For example, Tesla Cybertruck, Tesla as a whole is disruptive and is not failing at all. But the Cybertruck is not really a thing. I didn't know they existed before this episode. So if I'm your market analysis, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> but even on a bigger market, I didn't exactly see them in the Super Bowl ads. Yahoo did ensure that they were cutting themselves off from even the possibility of being disruptors from the beginning. Disruptive innovation is often a high-risk, high-reward pursuit, but not being open to change is the only surefire way to not change. Any of those missed purchases also had the possibility of not working out if Yahoo had finalized the acquisition. But this is an example of one of two common misconceptions on disruptive thinking and disruptive innovation. It can be a very successful approach. It's not necessary. You can be an industry leader and just have a very solid model. And B, disruptive thinking can come with this self-imposed pressure to reinvent the new, improved, ultimate, successful wheel every now and again keeping up with the technological competitive advantages at a neck-breaking pace. 
Sometimes it's okay to just tweak concepts and work on smaller incremental changes, not inventing the equivalent of the iPod of your industry every other quarter or giving stakeholders expectations which are impossible to meet or sustain over time. But then again, with Apple, if the iPhone 17 is not that different from the 16, I'm not going to buy it. You know? But okay, next up, we have design thinking. A more modern revisit of lateral thinking, engineering school edition. The reasoning behind design thinking is that to figure out why something doesn't work, it might be best to build it, run it, and diagnose it rather than staring at the blueprints or a plan. It saves engineers and product developers a lot of time, and while not universal, it can be applied to a lot of fields, including businesses. The formal definition is that design thinking is a non-linear iterative process that teams use to understand users, challenge assumptions, redefine problems, and create innovative solutions to prototype and test. It involves five phases, empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and test. And it's most useful to tackle problems that are not well-defined or unknown. In user experience and beyond it, design thinking stresses the importance of empathy, which, far from being a feel-good marketing ploy here, is the fundamental start of the reasoning issue. If your business is supposed to sell me a solution to one of my problems or an improvement on a product I'm currently using, how can you do so without being able to empathize with my pain points and knowing what I even want to spend money on? And by looking at good failures as information collecting processes, we apply John Maxwell's philosophy of fail early, often, but always fail forward. Creating an early prototype gives us a kind of important information and overall saves us time, even if it might feel like a bad failure in the short term. Another important takeaway from design thinking is that while perfection might be unattainable, improvement is possible and within reach. Think of making a toy car. The first prototype might be too heavy and the wheels don't turn. Great. Those are two important realizations we came to with this prototype. With prototype two, we might address and solve those issues, but... With each prototype, we should see some more and more improvement. Last for this episode, but far from last or least, we have systems thinking. System thinking can be used in any area of research and has been applied to the study of medical, environmental, political, economic, human resources, and educational systems, just to cite a few. But it does originate in biology, looking at the whole organism as more than just the sum of its parts. The core concept of systems thinking and more generally systems approaches is to consider all the factors, internal and external, which interact with, influence, or are influenced by whatever problem, phenomenon, or process you are observing as holistically as possible. System thinking considers the relationships and interactions among everything, everywhere, all at once. But when we use this framework, we have to draw somewhat arbitrary boundaries. If we were to try to account for all the unexpected butterfly effect consequences our actions or inactions might have, it would be paralyzing. 
we use systems mapping to define and help us with the scope we want to focus on, as well as identifying all the relevant stakeholders and providing a shared language to ease communication with others in it. If you'd like to learn more about this, there are many helpful resources available online that can provide additional information. We link a few starters on our Instagram resource stories highlights, but please let us know if you have any recommendations for someone approaching this topic. In conclusion, there is no best approach we can endorse. We did not touch on all possible ways of thinking. That can be a whole other podcast series we brainstorm if there are any takers. We're going to give this one out as a freebie. No worries. It's just a starting point. What we can say with a reasonable level of confidence is that whichever context you're working in, whichever process you're considering or issue under observation, humans are great at running into obstacles or identifying problems we then want to solve. Each of these approaches we mentioned and all the ones that we didn't get into stress the importance of doing so in a structured, replicable, and often repetitive way. Having these mental models and frameworks to follow can help unstuck you or your team and provide a shared language through which to tackle these challenges, minimizing the additional energy expense that comes with making sure several players are even on the same page to begin with. Each methodology has its fans, devotees, cult followers and critics, and there will always be new ways to think about old problems, some of which might be more helpful than others. Let us know what has worked for you, your organization, your industry, what new processes you're trying out or which ones you swear by, and do so by sliding into our DMs on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Bias Check-In Podcast. Send us an email at our new updated, improved, and iterated email address, info at biascheckin.com. And let us know, or if you would like to, leave us a voice note on anchor.fm. We will talk to you next week in our new, better and improved next week episode. See you in the next one. So distracted. <laughs>